BakerBots LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Welcome to the Environmental Evolutions Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. I'm your host, Megan Birch, coming to you from San Diego, California. In today's episode, I am joined by energy transition tax partner, Barbara DeMarinay. Barbara previously joined the podcast to discuss the energy transition benefits established by the Inflation Reduction Act earlier this year. Barbara is back today because the Treasury has taken their first substantive step to implement the act. Barbara, thank you for joining us. Happy to be here, Megan. All right. So tell us all about it. What's going on? Great. So November 30, the Internal Revenue Service and the Department of the Treasury published Notice 2022-61 regarding prevailing wage and apprenticeship uh, guidance under Code Section 45 and other similar provisions. And the, the notice provides initial guidance on the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements that taxpayers must meet in order to qualify for the higher amount of certain clean energy tax credits that were put into the inflation reduction. Okay, but help me understand, why did Treasury put this notice out? To answer that, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act put in place close to $400 billion of tax incentives for clean energy. Just a couple dollars. Nothing, really. Yeah, just a little bit. But it was only politically doable because all of those tax benefits were linked to jobs, labor, wages, development of labor. And so in putting in place all these tax credits... What the act did was they set a base level for the credits, which was really only 20% of the amount of the credit that everybody thought they would get for doing certain activities. And then for each one of these credits, they put in place a rule that said the credit is going to be $12 as your base, but get to apply a five times multiplier to get a $60 credit if you comply with prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements with respect to the construction of your project. Because, of course, everyone wants the maximum possible credit amount, for example, $60 per ton of carbon that they captured and used in enhanced oil recovery. Everybody wants to comply with these prevailing wage requirements in order to get the maximum credit amount. So that's the new rule about getting the full value for your credits is compliance with this. But they also recognize that it wouldn't be fair to tell people you can't get the full credit amount unless you comply with these prevailing wage requirements, unless people knew exactly what the prevailing wage requirements were, right? You can't tell people you have to do this and then not give them the specifics about what they have to do. Well, you could. It just wouldn't be a great idea. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be very effective, right? Yeah, not very successful. So in each place where they put these requirements in place, they said that taxpayers get the five times multiplier if you begin construction of your project, 
before the day that is 60 days after the IRS puts out guidance that details the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements. So you get a pass and you get the full credit amount. You get the five times multiplier. If you've already started construction this fall, you began construction any time up until 60 days after the IRS puts the guidance out. So that incentivized the government to get the guidance out on prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements as quickly as they could, because as soon as they put that guidance out, it would mean that unless you started your construction within 60 days of that guidance coming out, you would have to comply with these requirements. So really, if you step back from it, we think that the real purpose of this notice was to get that 60-day clock started. Because frankly, there's not a lot of substance in this notice. It's a lot of detail about the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements. The bulk of the notice is pretty much of a repetition of what we already knew from the statute. And there isn't a lot of new information in it. But release of it has started the 60-day clock. So that we now know that unless you begin your construction before Well, we had thought January 30, but it turns out that it's actually January 29. Um, Unless you start your construction before January 29th, you're going to have to comply with these requirements in order to get the full credit of them. Oh, that is so interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, just to go back to basics here, what is a prevailing wage requirement? What is this about? Right. Okay. It's really two things. It is that you must pay the prevailing wage to laborers and mechanics who work on construction of your projects. And those prevailing wages are put out by the Department of Labor. You can go to sam.gov. And you can put in your locality and you can put in the trade, like electrician. And up will pop is that the Department of Labor considers to be the prevailing wage for that locality and that trade. Um, and those, the, you might say, wow, that Department of Labor really moved fast to put that together for this act. And that's not the case. These prevailing wages, they're a product of the Davis-Bacon Act that was passed in the 1930s, and they have been applied all these years to anyone that was doing a construction project for a federal facility. So if you were building a federal courthouse or a federal jail or any type of federal construction project, you had to pay Department of Labor prevailing wages. So the system already exists, and now what's happened is It's been pulled into all the clean energy projects. And then on the apprenticeship side, it's a requirement that a certain number of the total labor hours on the project have to be performed by apprentices that are part, that are in registered apprenticeship programs. And the percentage hours for 2023 is 12.5% of the total hours. And then thereafter, it's going up to 15%. There is also a government website, apprenticeships.gov, that you can go to to find a 
registered apprenticeship program in your locality and for the trade that you're interested in to find apprentices to hire them to have them on your project. I just love that. I just heard that our next guest is going to be a labor and employment lawyer. So, you know, it's been a wild year (laughs) since I started doing this fun. So, yeah. All right. So remember, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of detail in this guidance. Are we expecting to get more from the Treasury on this topic? Yes. They have said that they, they will be releasing more guidance. And the first thing that Treasury did after the act was finalized was in October. They put out a series of what some people would call requests for information, but it was a call for comments from the public about what the public needed in terms of guidance. And there have been hundreds of comment letters that have come in and many of them asking for specific guidance questions about how to comply with the prevailing wage and apprenticeship rules. So there's clearly a need for a lot more specific guidance and we expect that that will be forthcoming. I should mention one other thing. The statute, in addition to to laying out the, the general parameters of these rules, it also presents a series of what we call cure provisions, say that they don't want people to miss out on getting the full credit because they forgot to pay one guy the prevailing wage for one hour. So there is a series of cure provisions that you can fix your underpayment by paying interest on the underpayment and paying a penalty to the government. So in theory, no one should lose out on their full credit amount because they foot faulted out of compliance with these rules. Thank you for flagging that, Barbara, and for the quick update today. Before I let you go, what is one piece of practical advice that you have for listeners hoping to take advantage of the measures in the IRA? What I would caution people about is that these rules apply not just to individuals that are employed by the party that owns the clean energy project. They also apply to the contractors and subcontractors that are hired to construct the projects. So if you are in the middle of negotiating a contract with a contractor to construct a clean energy project for you, you need to be thinking about including in that contract the requirement that contractor also commit to paying prevailing wages and hiring apprentices. So that's something to watch because it is something that really you need to plan ahead for. Well, that sounds like really sound advice. And unlike the questions I normally end this program with, it doesn't involve a crystal ball. So that's fantastic. All right, listeners, for questions regarding the IRA, please, please go to our episode notes. It is Barbara's contact information, a longer update from our tax team, and the notice itself. Also, and this is important, this is why you need to go, the tax team has developed a search tool that organizes all of the comment letters submitted in response to key IRS requests regarding potential guidance on IRA implementation. The tool is alphabetized by commenter and it's searchable by topic. So with that, I'm Megan Burge. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. 
For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at bakerbots.com. For over 180 years, through 13 offices in nine countries, BakerBots has the experience, knowledge, and people to solve our clients' most significant legal issues. This presentation is provided by BakerBots LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.